0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, anyone else out there who listens to this podcast, maybe if there's a dog or a cat in the room, Hello. To the, to the dog or the cat as well, um, hello to maybe any fish that might be listening, or any other pets at all that happen to be in the room while my voice is playing through the speakers, basically hello, hello to everyone out there who's listening, this is Luke from Luke's English Podcast, that's a surprise isn't it, I bet you weren't expecting that, um, yeah so I hope you're well. Um, It's been a little while since I recorded an audio podcast for you to listen to, but I'm doing one now, okay, and you're listening to it now, Um, so that's good, isn't it? Yeah, it is. This podcast today is all about anecdotes, anecdotes. Um, What's an anecdote, Luke? That's what you're asking me. Well, an anecdote is like basically a little story um, which you tell... As part of a normal conversation so it could be like for example an amusing or funny story about an experience that you've had or it could be perhaps like an embarrassing story about something that happened to you Um, we use anecdotes a lot in our general conversation just to basically describe things that have happened to us think of them as amusing little stories which we tell our friends when we're having conversations right uh people use anecdotes all the time um so this this podcast is about anecdotes difficult word to say but i'll say it slowly for you so you can copy it anecdotes anecdotes or an anecdote or an anecdote so this podcast is all about anecdotes and um i'm going to talk about you know uh what they are um and what the features of an anecdote are. And then we're going to listen to a few anecdotes as well. And you'll pick up lots of really brilliant English, which you can go on to use and impress everyone uh, that you meet. Um, so anyway, uh, what have I been doing recently? Well, let me just tell you about me, shall I? Well, I've been working, you know, I've been working recently. Uh, I recently... Um, taught a group of students on a Beck Vantage course that's a business English certificate they were all very good very good students they did their test a couple of weeks ago and I hope that they did well I I expect that they did because they're all definitely capable of passing the exam so I'm looking forward to getting their results Um, let's see I've also been playing music Um, the school band did a concert last Friday and that was really good fun um It was just really good to watch lots of people dancing to the music, you know. I was sitting behind the drum kit, playing the drums. We played for about two hours. So I was just playing, you know, constantly for, you know, for a long time. But the best part of it for me was just sitting there playing and watching people dancing to the music and having a really good time. It was just fantastic. Um, So also I've been doing my comedy... Um, This is kind of like an experiment that I'm doing in my life at the moment. I'm just trying to learn um, how to be a stand-up comedian. And I'm trying to make audiences of people laugh. Um, And that's been really interesting. It's going well, I think. Um, I'm making people laugh. People are actually laughing, uh, which is kind of a surprise. It's very exciting standing up in front of a room full of people. With a microphone and talking to them. And actually making them laugh. It's quite an exciting experience. It can be very frightening as well. It makes you very nervous. And so you need lots of energy. Just to do it. Because I'm sure you can imagine. Just dealing with the nerves. Dealing with the tension. Takes a lot of energy. So that's quite exhausting. Um, But uh, that's still you know. It's fun, and you know, I've definitely learned that you just have to have fun in life, you've got to enjoy yourself because you know that's the first rule of life, really. Just enjoy yourself. Well, actually, it's probably the second rule of life when you think about it because the first rule of life is, um, well, don't be dead, really. Um, so, second rule of life, um, in just enjoy yourself. So, first, don't be dead, second, enjoy yourself. Well, actually, actually, that enjoy yourself is probably the third rule. Because first, you've got don't be dead. Second is, um, well, get food, right? So first, don't be dead. Second, get food. Well, actually, first, you, you know, these days to get food, you, you need money, really, don't you? So I guess it's probably first, number one, don't be dead. Number two, get money, right? Number three, get food. Number four, enjoy yourself. So the fourth rule of, of life, just enjoy yourself. Well, actually thinking about it, you know, it's probably more like the fifth rule because it's, it's really difficult just to get money from nowhere, right? So, I mean, you, you need a job. You need a job first really, don't you? So I guess it would be, um, don't be dead, uh, get a job, then get money, then get food, then enjoy yourself. Um, I suppose. Um, although, thought it's probably quite difficult to just um, just enjoy yourself when all you've got is is like just a job and, and some food. I mean, so I, I guess I mean what you need really is friends, don't you? You need some friends, or well, specifically, you know, particularly you need you need like you know a romantic partner, really, someone that you can just share your life with. So like, you know, like a girlfriend or boyfriend. So, you know, I guess that's it. It's like rule number one, don't be dead. Rule number two um, would be, um, let's see, get a job, right? Three, get money. Four, get food. Five, um, you know, find a life partner, you know, find a girlfriend. Um, number six, get married, get married to that person, Right. Um, well then as well, I guess you've got to, you know, it is, you know, once you got married, you've got to settle down, haven't you? So probably next, what, like number seven, I guess would be like, you know, buy a house, buy a nice house in a good neighborhood, right? You know, get on the property ladder, basically, you know, um, you know, just buy a house. Um, so that's number seven. And then I guess it would be number eight, um, enjoy yourself, um, Although, I guess these days, I mean, you, you know, you, you can't really do anything, really. You can't even, how can you even have fun if, you know, you haven't got a good internet connection? I mean, you know, everything's on the internet now. So, and I can't imagine, you know, life without it, to be honest. So, I suppose that really, that would be number eight, you know, get a broadband internet connection. And, well, you'd probably need like an HD TV these days as well, really, just, you know, if you're going to have a good time. So, get a broadband, get an HD TV. Um, well, I suppose another essential item was like a mobile phone as well. So, I and mean, once you've got the, you know, maybe get the broadband, get the TV, then just manage to negotiate a good mobile phone contract. Um, then what number 10 rule 10, enjoy yourself. Um, I mean, and there's actually thinking about it. There are other things too. I mean, you've got to, you've got to look after your teeth, haven't you really? Um, because you know, I mean, it, it's very difficult to laugh when you've got a toothache. So look after your teeth, and I guess well, you know, health. You've got to you've got to look after your health. Eat lots of fibre, right? Eat five portions of fruit or vegetables every day. Um, that's essential. Um, God, I'm thinking about it. There's lots of things. You've got to get you've got to get a lot, enough sleep, at least six hours sleep. Um, you know, I mean, they say that sex is important you know, um, you know, before before you can be truly happy, you know, you gotta, you gotta get your diet fixed. You gotta get regular sex. Um, God, I mean, I guess these days, what with the carbon emissions, global warming, I mean, we all have a responsibility to sort of, you know, reduce our carbon, the carbon footprint. So I guess next would be like insulate your home, um, insulate your home. Then you can, then you can enjoy yourself, I suppose. Um, yeah, so what's like rule rule number I think that's rule number 13 or rule number 14. just enjoy yourselves. So I think that's what I've learned. you know um, it's very important to enjoy yourself. It's at least the, the 14th rule of life. Um, so you know um, yeah, so anyway, let's move on. let's move on, shall we? Enough ridiculous nonsense. Let me tell you about anecdotes. Okay, so what is an anecdote? I've kind of already explained that. It's the little story uh, which you tell your friends usually as part of a natural conversation. And it's, it's usually about an experience that you've had. And um, so uh, characteristics of anecdotes are that usually they're quite funny. They're meant to be amusing. Um, they contain a story. So that means that um, when you're telling an anecdote, you describe some kind of narrative. So probably it would involve using um, like past verb tenses, narrative verb tenses. Uh, Sometimes people tell anecdotes using present tenses as a way of making the story more immediate and and more exciting. Um, But basically, they usually contain some kind of story. Um, They include lots of descriptive details. Um, like, for example, exactly what happened, exactly what it looked like, and so on. So that means using lots of descriptive vocabulary in order to make your pod uh, make your podcast, make your anecdote sound more interesting and, and amusing, right So lots of descriptive details. Um, they also include descriptions of the thoughts and feelings of the person involved. Um, so it's you know it, it really allows the listener. To get an understanding of what it felt like for the the person who was telling the anecdote. So, descriptions of thoughts and feelings. Some details in anecdotes are exaggerated. Exaggerated means that they they are made bigger than they actually are. And this is a common feature of an anecdote. Um, Often when someone tells the anecdote many times, each time they tell it, uh, they exaggerate it a little bit more so the experiences become a little bit bigger a little bit more exciting a bit more um, descriptive a bit more detailed and until eventually it becomes quite a um, quite a hilarious story uh, for example and it's quite acceptable to exaggerate your anecdotes Because really, the main reason you're doing it is because it just makes good conversation. It's just funny conversation. So often, the details in anecdotes are exaggerated, Um, and often um, an anecdote will involve some kind of comment at the end. For example, you know what you've learnt uh, from the experience, or what you think of the situation now, Uh, or maybe you know like what that um, helped you to learn about that time of your life or something. Um, so what you're going to do now is listen to an anecdote by... Well, in fact, you're going to listen to a couple of anecdotes by um, a, couple of B, uh, a couple of BBC radio DJs. Um, now, they're called Adam and Joe. And um, basically, I've stolen this little recording from their podcast. So I know that that's kind of cheating that I'm using someone else's podcast on my podcast. But, you know, just think of me as like the Robin Hood of podcasts, stealing from the BBC and giving to the world. And, I, you know, actually, I think it's it's all right, because um, this, um, in fact, this podcast wasn't broadcast on the BBC. It was broadcast by another radio station, uh, let's see, about three or four years ago. It was provided on a free podcast, so I think it's all right. Anyway, um, Adam and Joe, they're DJs and comedians from the UK. Um, they, they broadcast a, a podcast now, every week on the BBC. I will add a link to the podcast so you can check it out. Basically, to give you a bit of background information to Adam and Joe, uh, They have known each other since they were children, so they're very good friends. They both grew up together in London, and they became famous for making comedy television programmes and radio shows. Adam Buxton is also an actor who has been in some British films like Hot Fuzz, Stardust and Son of Rambo. You've probably never heard of those films, but they're quite famous here in Britain. Uh, Joe Cornish works in Hollywood as a screenwriter and he's currently writing the screenplay for the new, um, the new film Tin Tin. So they're both quite well established comedians in this country and you're going to listen to them having a conversation about petty crime. Um, petty crime just means kind of low level crime, not very important crimes. So not murder, not drug dealing. Um, We're talking about things like little cases of theft. So maybe like when a child steals a chocolate bar from a shop, you know, that's considered to be petty crime, low level crime. Okay, so what you're going to do is listen to um, the conversation. And first, you're going to listen to Adam's anecdote. And Adam tells a story about a petty crime experience that he had when he was a child. And I'd like you to try and answer these questions. I'll also print these questions on the podcast. Here they are. Number one, where was Adam when this happened and why was he there? Number two, how does Adam know this happened when he was incredibly young? Number three, what was lying on the floor and how did it get there? Number four, Why did Adam think it was free? Why did he think it was free? Number five, what was Adam doing when his dad found him? Number six, what did Adam's dad say when he realised Adam had stolen the chewing gum? Right, so what did Adam's dad say when he realised Adam had stolen the chewing gum? And number seven, how did Adam's dad make his point? And number eight, what exactly happened to the chewing gum? So those questions are printed on the website. Um, You can check them out, uh, teacherluke.podomatic.com. You can see the questions. So try to get answers to those questions as you listen. Um, Okay, so here it is. Here's Adam's anecdote. Oh, and and by the way, I'll give you the answers to those questions at the end of the recording and also um, I'll explain a lot of the vocabulary that Adam uses in his story because I expect you won't understand everything. Don't worry if you don't understand everything. You can listen to it again and I will explain everything for you and then everything will be fine. So here it is, Adam Buxton's story. And this week I
1: was thinking about um, about about petty crime, Joe Cornish. Now well, you we... were always thinking about petty crime. Oh, that's you? true. Do like you think fingers Buxton? Do you think of me as a bit of a crim? No. No, okay, good, good, because uh, you know I, I've done I've done a bit of uh, I've done a bit of theft in my time. We're not now we're not talking about real theft. Right? No, absolutely we're not, really not talking about no 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 no, no. we straight no, no, st- no. are we straight into we're uh, talking about kind of ch- childhood petty theft, right? Yeah, yeah th- these are these are, are, are crimes that you commit sort of. Bef- on, a, on a kind of instinctive <laughs> basis. Yeah, and we don't condone it. In fact, we may if you enter this text competition, we might pass your details onto the coppers. Yeah, exactly. We certainly don't want to hear about any kind of um, stealing from uh, people's houses or anything <laughs> like that. We're just talking about low-level criminal activity. Hit us with your story, Adam. Well, my my first my introduction to the shady world of crime came when I suppose I must have been about... Uh, f- four or five. This is one of my formative memories, right? earliest memories that I've got, uh, stashed away in my brainium. And we were at the uh, corner shop. This is in the days when my mom and pa used to smoke I know the corner cigs. shop. Yeah. So we, were, we lived in Earl's Court and uh, we were at the corner shop. My dad was buying some cigs. And I know that I was incredibly young because the only shelf I could see was the absolute bottom shelf. I couldn't I I, I couldn't see anything above mm. that. And that's where all the sweeties were. And someone had knocked a packet of Wrigley Spearmint Gum off the shelf and it was just lying on the floor, <sighs> calling your name. Yeah. And I was the only one down there at that level. Mm. And I was looking at it, I was thinking free you gum. Free gum. It's not on the shelf. And I remember very clearly the logic process that I used to lie to myself to justify this theft, because even at that stage I knew that it would be stealing. But I remember thinking, it's fallen off the shelf. They, they don't want it anymore. It's broken, and they, they can't sell that. Yeah, the floor, is, the floor is no man's land. Yeah. Isn't that actually legally true? I think that anything on any floor anywhere is anybody yeah. <laughs> if it's on a shelf that, it's different it belongs to the owner but the generally claws. the floors are free they're like beaches yeah you know in the sea that's Anyone what ronnie biggs them. said in his defense i believe is it it was on the floor the gold what? fill on the floor Wait, look i was a i don't understand the problem, the problem. <laughs> it was on the floor so anyway cut a long story short i shoved the the wriggles in my and got home. And went into uh, uh, went into my room, you know, and I was fairly brazen about it because I didn't believe I'd committed a massive crime. But my even dad, even though you had, even though I had, Deft. I've done I've done a better of stealing of wriggles. Mm. And my dad found me uh, happily chomping some uh, wriggles. Tricky to get rid of the evidence, right? <laughs> yeah, chew it. You shouldn't swallow it either because it just comes out at the other end exactly the same. Exactly. And the police can forensic it. Yeah, and he said, "Where did you get this gum? I didn't buy you any chewing gum." You're not allowed gum, and i, I said it was in the. I, I got it in. It was on the on the floor. It was broken. And he said, "You've just stolen something. This is stealing, Adam. You stole this. You didn't pay for it. We could go to prison if the police found out. You could go to prison. There are kids in prison for stealing gum. Yeah, yeah. And you know they come out. I and think they're there's all, a Wrigley's prison." That's right. Yeah. And they're all messed up when they come out. And apparently, yeah, it's it's awful in the Wrigley's prison. There's gum everywhere. There is gum everywhere. Um, anyway, so I was very freaked out. and t- And to make his point even more... Uh, Forcefully, my dad burnt the gum. Your dad always does weird things at the end. Why did he burn the gum? Gum's not even flammable, is it? Exactly. It took ages. All the gum, kind of. (laughs) I sat there. It's like a sort of a hellfire response, isn't it? It's like he's a Baptist minister. You shall not chew the gum. Watch it burn, my thieving friend, and then consider whether you'd like some more Wrigley's. Watch the gum melt. And the, and the foil failed to burn and then consider if that's what it was like. The foil would it just the foil just went all charcoally and the gum mm. just kind of melted and gummed. It had up. a kind of barbecue flavor. It was even nicer. It smelt minty. Did it? It still <laughs> smelled minty. Minty flames. Yeah. And the the minty flames went on for ages. Mint-flavoured flames. Double any other length of gum, I would say, if it was burned. Anyway, so I'm curious to know if if anybody else has... So this is kind of like the most pathetic thing you've ever stolen. Is it? Or is it like the thing you stole as a child that made you understand that stealing was wrong? Because I stole a Batcopter.
0: Did you? Okay, we'll stop there. Now, if you didn't understand that, don't worry, because uh, I'm going to explain everything for you now. Uh, First thing... I'm going to answer those questions that I gave to you and then I'll explain the story in in my words and then I'll actually explain some of the vocabulary that Adam used in his story. So that was, if you like, just a really natural conversation between two native English speakers. Very, very authentic, quite fast and they've got quite a specific sense of humour. So if you didn't understand, that's alright, that's normal, that's natural um, Hopefully at the end of this podcast, you will understand it and you'll be able to listen to it again and then really enjoy it like, you know, a native speaker would enjoy it. Um, Okay, so first question was, um, where was Adam when this happened and why was he there? Well, um, it happened at the corner shop um, and he was at the corner shop with his parents because this is this was in the days when his parents used to smoke cigs. Or smoke cigarettes. And they were at the corner shop. Um, He he was with his dad I think. At the corner shop. uh, Because he was buying some cigarettes. Um, Okay. So the second question is. How does Adam know this happened. When he was incredibly young. Well it's because. um, He could remember that the. Only shelf. That he could see was the bottom shelf. Right so. The shelf is like you know, what you use to put books and magazines on, right? You get them in shops, you get the bottom shelf, and the bottom shelf usually has newspapers and magazines on it. So, you know, the only shelf he could see was the absolute bottom shelf. So that's how he knew he was very young when this happened. Um, Next question was, what was lying on the floor and how did it get there? Well, it was a packet of Wrigley's uh, Spearmint gum. Or Wrigley's double mint gum. Some, uh, basically a packet of chewing gum. And someone had knocked it off the shelf. So maybe someone by accident had um, you know, touched it with their hand or with their arm. And it had fallen onto the floor. So someone had knocked it off the shelf. And it was a packet of chewing gum. Okay, next question was, why did Adam think it was free? Well, um, he thought it was free. Because um, he just assumed that anything that was on the floor um, belonged to anyone, right? Because he thought that the floor was no man's land. No man's land means, like, it, usually we use no man's land in a war. And it's uh, the land between the two armies. And nobody owns that land. So it's kind of like anything on in that land is owned by anyone right so because he was young he thought that because the chewing gum was on the floor that the floor was like no man's land and therefore um nobody owned the chewing gum so he he thought that he could just take it legally how wrong he was next question uh question number five is what was adam doing when his dad found him well um adam said that he was chomping the wriggles that means he was chewing. He was chewing the chewing gum and when his dad found him. So he, you know, he had the chewing gum in his mouth and he was chewing it when his dad found him. Next question, number six. What did Adam's dad say when he realised Adam had stolen the gum? Well, his dad said, this is stealing, Adam. And you could go to prison. You could go to prison for stealing. So basically his, his dad was quite... Um, what's the word for it? Quite strict, and uh, he reacted quite strongly to Adam stealing the chewing gum. and he said, "You could go to prison, uh, which is not true. They don't send little children to prison for stealing chewing gum. I don't think they do anyway. Um, then the next question number seven, how did Adam's dad make his point? Well, he made his point by burning the chewing gum. Um, he burned the gum, right? Uh, number eight, what exactly happened to the gum? Well, basically the gum didn't really burn. It just melted and the, the silver wrapper just went charcoal-y. Uh, charcoal is like the kind of black residue that you get when something burns. You know, like when you burn wood? the black stuff that that you get that's called charcoal and when you burn metal you get like black residue like dirt black dirt on the metal and you can call that charcoal or it kind of the metal goes charcoal-y so the the chewing gum just melted and the the wrapper went charcoal-y so that's it that's basically what happens Right, in in order to just help you understand the story, um, I'm going to tell the story again, but in kind of plain English. Okay, so um, let's see. I'll, I'll do that, just explain the story in plain English for you, and then I will go through the story again and explain some of the vocabulary that Adam used when he told his story. Okay, so basically uh, what happened was that... Um, uh, Adam's first introduction to crime happened when he was about four or five um, he was at the corner shop uh, with his dad and this is when his mum and dad used to smoke cigarettes they lived in a in a place called Earl's Court which is in West London and uh, they were at the corner shop and his dad was buying some cigarettes he knows or he, he knows that he was incredibly young because the only shelf that he could see was the absolute bottom shelf. And and that was where all the sweets, all the, the the candy in American English, all the sweets were. They were all on the bottom shelf. And he noticed that there was a packet of chewing gum on the floor. It was just sitting on the floor, just lying there. And it was lying there because someone had, by accident, knocked it onto the floor. So... Adam saw the chewing gum on the floor and um, he thought to himself, My God, it's free. This is free gum. I can just take this. Um, Because, obviously, because it's fallen on the floor, nobody wants it. So it's free. So basically, he kind of lied to himself and convinced himself that it was okay to take the gum because he just said well it must be free because no one wants it so he took the gum and put it in his pocket uh, and then he went home and he was chewing the gum when his dad walked into his bedroom and found him chewing the gum and he he realized that Adam had not paid for the chewing gum and he got angry with him and he said Adam what are you doing you didn't pay for that chewing gum you stole it that's a crime. You could go to prison for that. And, um, and let's see. And then Adam's dad, in order to punish Adam, just to prove his point, he burned the gum. He set fire to it. But it was kind of, um, it didn't really do anything. It was um, really not very impressive because the gum just melted and didn't really burn properly. And the, the silver wrapper just went charcoaly. So it's just a kind of disappointment at the end of the story. So um, that's it. And, and apparently the um, the smell uh, he remembers the smell that it smelt minty because it was kind of mint gum. He could he could smell it, and it smelt minty. So that's it. That's the end of the story. Um, now, to be honest, I think it's a funny story. Not really because of what happens, although I think it's quite funny that. Uh, Adam's dad burned the gum. it's kind of a, a ridiculous reaction um, but it's not really the events in the story it's more just the way in which Adam tells the story that makes it funny he just uses certain kinds of descriptive language uh, certain bits of vocabulary he also uses his intonation like his, his voice quite well and um, just makes references to certain things that make it an amusing story. Now, if you don't kind of understand the details, you probably don't think it's funny. But I understand all the details. And I think that any native speaker listening to that would find it quite amusing. Um, So to help you to find it amusing, I'm going to try and explain some of the language which Adam used um, in the story. Okay, so I'll play a little bit of the story and then explain it. Okay.
1: And this week I was thinking about, um, about, about petty crime, Joe Cornish. Now, well, you were always thinking about petty crime, weren't oh, you? True. Do like you think, fingers, true. Do you think of me as a bit of a crim?
0: No. Do you think of me as a bit of a crim? Well, a crim is just another word for a criminal. It's kind of like a sort of slang way of saying criminal. So he's saying to Joe, Joe, do you think that I am a bit of a criminal? Do you think of me as a bit of a crim? And Joe says, "No."
1: No. Okay. Good. Good. Because uh, you know, I, I've done, I've done a bit of,
0: uh, I've done a bit of
1: theft in my time.
0: I've done a bit of theft in my time. Theft is just another word for stealing. So um, he means I've, he's done some stealing in his time. In my time just means you know, in my life basically, in my, uh, in my history not a good explanation, in my life, you know, so, you know, we use that when we're talking about um, our experience, you know, things like, um, you know, I've, I've done quite a lot of traveling in my time. So we use it to to kind of um, boast about uh, our experiences in my time. Okay.
1: We're not now. We're not talking about real theft. Right? No, absolutely we're not, not talking about no, 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 no. Because no, we straight, no, are we no, th- no. are we straight into. We're uh, talking about kind of ch- childhood petty theft, right? Yeah. yeah th- these are these are, are, are crimes that you commit, sort of, bef- on a on a kind of instinctive <coughs> basis. Yeah.
0: Talking about childhood petty theft. Well, I've already explained what petty theft or petty crime means. Petty just means not very serious. So, kind of not serious theft, not serious crime. And he's, and Adam says, these are crimes which you commit on a kind of instinctive basis. So when you do something instinctively, it means you just do it without thinking, right? Um, just, yeah, a bit like the way animals do things, you know, like birds will fly south um, in the winter on an instinctive basis. They just do it without thinking about it. So it's kind of a funny way of explaining the way in which sometimes when you're a child, you commit crimes without really thinking about it. You just do it instinctively. You do it on an instinctive basis. And we don't condone
1: it. In fact, we may if you enter this text competition, we might pass your details on to the coppers.
0: We don't condone it. Well, to condone something means to support something, you know, effectively to say that, yes, we agree with this and we think it's a good thing. So we don't condone crime, we don't condone theft, means we don't encourage or support um, theft or crime, okay? And Joe says, if you, what is it, if you send your...
1: If you enter this text competition, we might
0: pass your details onto the coppers. Yeah, if you enter this text competition, we might pass your details onto the coppers, so um, they're talking about a text competition. That's just a radio competition in which you have to send SMS text messages. Um, and Joe said, if you enter this text competition, we might pass your details onto the coppers. That just He's joking. He means that he might give, you know, anyone who sends in a crime story, he might give their details to the police. The coppers means the police. Okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. We certainly don't want to hear about any kind of um, stealing from uh, people's houses or anything <laughs> like that. We're just talking about low-level criminal activity. Hit us with your story, Adam. Well, my, my first my introduction to the shady world of crime came when I suppose I must have been about uh, four, four or five. This is one of my formative memories. Right. Earliest memories that I've got uh, stashed away in my brainium.
0: This is one of my formative memories... A formative memory is like, you know, one of, the ve- one of the earliest memories that you have. And it's usually a memory of something that happened when you were a very young child that um, kind of um, shaped you as a person. You know, like a memory of a very important event in your early life. You know, so it could be, you know, for, for many people, a formative memory would be like um, their first day of school. You know, the kind of shock of going to school for the first day. Um, or it could be a formative memory. Sometimes it's like an accident that you have as a child. And just, you know, that that shock that you have as a, uh, when you're a young child. And um, you remember it for the rest of your life. And it somehow is a very important event in your early life. A formative memory. And he said, it's one of the earliest memories I have inside my brainium, I think.
1: Earliest memories that I've got uh, stashed away in my brainium.
0: One of the earliest memories I've got stashed away in my brainium. Well, stashed just means um, like kept. You know, you'd stash something somewhere just means keep it somewhere. Like, you know, you would stash some chocolate in in your cupboard, for example. And your brainium, well, brainium is like, to be honest, not a, a normal word. He just means brain, but this is just Adam kind of like changing the word. Just to be funny, right? So rather than saying, um, this is one of the earliest memories I have in my brain," that's kind of boring. So he said it's one of the earliest memories I have stashed away in my brainium, right? So brainium is not a common word. No one else says brainium, just Adam. But he means brain. So it's one of the earliest memories I have in my brain, basically.
1: And we were at the uh, corner shop. This is in the days when my mom and pa used to smoke I know the corner cigs. shop. Yeah. So we, were, we lived in Earl's Court and uh, we were at the corner shop. My dad was buying some cigs.
0: So the corner shop is just like a convenience store, basically. It's just like a little shop and um, they sell newspapers, cigarettes, bread, milk, just essential things like that. And often they are um, on the corner, basically. So the corner of two streets, you get like a little convenience store. We call it in the UK, we often call it the corner shop. Um, And uh, he said he was there with his ma and pa. That just means his mum and dad. And uh, this is in the days when my dad used to smoke cigs. Cigs. That's just, again, an informal word for cigarettes. A cig means a cigarette. Okay.
1: And I know that I was incredibly young because the only shelf I could see was the absolute bottom shelf. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't see anything above mm. that. And that's where all the sweeties were.
0: Sweeties, that's just a word, like a childish word for sweets. In America, they call it candy. 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 Right? Um, in the UK, we call it sweets. And little children call them sweeties.
1: And someone had knocked a packet of Wrigley Spearmint gum... Off the shelf, and it was just lying on the floor, calling your name. Yeah.
0: It was lying on the floor. That just means it was on the floor, right? Calling your name. So, you know, that's a bit like, if you can imagine, if you see a packet of chewing gum just lying on the floor, and it's, you know, it's almost like it's it's calling your name, going, you know, Adam, 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 steal me, take me, you know, Adam, that kind of thing, you know? I I hope you know what I mean, because otherwise it's just a bit strange. But, you know, if you see something and it's calling your name, it just really wants you to take it. Um, Yeah. All right. There you go. So he saw the chewing gum. It was calling his name. So it, it was like it really wanted him to steal it. Adam, Adam, steal me. I'm free. It's Just free gum. Why don't you just steal me and take me home? That kind of thing. Right
1: and i was the only one down there at that level mm. and i was looking at it i was thinking free you come free you come it's not on the shelf and i remember very clearly the logic process that i used to lie to myself to justify this theft because even at that stage i knew that it would be stealing but i remember thinking it's fallen off the shelf they they don't want it anymore it's broken and they they can't sell that yeah, the floor is the floor is no man's land, yeah isn't that actually legally true? I think that anything on any floor anywhere is anybody yeah.
0: <laughs> now Joe doesn't really mean that, you know he doesn't really think that anything on any floor belongs to anyone. he doesn't really think that he's just being ironic, he's just joking there he's just being ironic about i don't know, I think something to do with the fact that. Perhaps when you're a child uh when you when you see things on the floor, you just assume that you know nobody owns them, so he's just making a joke about about that really about the i the the idea that if something is on the floor that nobody owns it, so he's not really being serious; he's just being ironic. Could this be the mysterious British sense of humor uh possibly possibly um but certainly not completely serious. Um, a little bit ironic there. Okay. If it's on a shelf,
1: that, it's different. It belongs to the owner. But the generally, claws. the floors are free. They're like beaches. Yeah. You know, and the sea. That's Anyone what Ronnie Biggs said in his defence, I believe. Is it? It was on the floor. The gold fell on the floor. Wait, look, what's the problem? I don't understand the problem. <laughs> it was on the floor.
0: So, okay. Um, he's saying that um, he, he Adam there talks about Ronnie Biggs, and Ronnie Biggs is quite famous in this country. Because he's a famous com- uh, comedian? He's not a comedian. He's a famous um, criminal. And uh, Ronnie Biggs um, was a great train robber. And uh, the, there was a very famous train robbery um, kind of, oh God, about 30 years ago or more. More than 30 years ago, I think. And it, basically, it was one of the biggest robberies um, in, that ever happened in this country. And a group of criminals stole lots of money from a train and um, they then adam then made a joke saying that um ronnie biggs's defense was that he just found the money on the floor he just found all the gold and all the money on the floor it was on the floor it was on the floor you know like that another joke there hilarious anyway cut a long story short i shoved the, the wriggles in my pockles anyway to cut a long story short to cut a long story short. Very common expression, particularly when you're telling your friend a story or you're describing something that happened. Um, You just say to cut a long story short. And that basically means there are a lot more details. I could give you more detail about this story, but let me just move on. Let me just get to the main point. So to cut a long story short, it's just a very common expression that people use when they are Trying to just tell you the basic details of a story. Um, he said, To cut a long story short, I, I stuffed the wriggles in my pockles. Now, again, this is Adam just changing words to kind of make them sound funny. Wriggles just means Wrigley's. Wrigley's is a very, very famous uh, brand of chewing gum. Wrigley's gum. So he didn't say Wrigley's, he says Wriggles. And pockles is just his word for pockets obviously your pockets are you know, everyone has pockets in their jeans, we use them to keep our money and our keys um, in our pockets our pockets, right? So, but Adam just being funny is kind of changing the word to make it sound different, I put the wriggles in my pockles, just means I put the wrigley's gum into my pockets, right?
1: and got home and went into uh, uh, went into my and, you know, and I was fairly brazen about it because I didn't believe I'd committed a massive crime.
0: I was fairly brazen about it. If you're brazen about something, it just means you're kind of quite um, arrogant and overconfident um, about it. Um, so this just means that, you know, although he had stolen some chewing gum, he just acted like he didn't really care. He didn't feel like he had to hide it. Um, he was, you know slightly arrogant and care careless about it brazen if you can imagine for example a brazen bank robber that would be a bank robber who just walks very confidently into the bank uh, without wearing a mask and just points a gun and says give me all the money and then the um the 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 bank gives him all the money and then he just sort of walks down the street with the money over his shoulder and the gun in his hand kind of whistling like that. As if he doesn't care. So he was brazen about it. Um, so we use the word brazen when someone does something bad or does something wrong. But in a kind of carefree and overconfident and arrogant way. All right?
1: But my Even dad, though you had. Even though I had. I've done, I've done a bit of stealing of wriggles. Mm. And my dad found me... Uh, happily chomping some uh, wriggles. Tricky to get rid of the evidence, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's tricky to get rid of the evidence. That means it's difficult to like hide the evidence. Um, just to give you an example of that, uh, in a murder, let's say a murderer uh, kills someone with a gun, right? And what they do in order to um, hide the evidence, they will throw the gun into a river, okay? And what they're doing is they're getting rid of the evidence, throwing the evidence away. Evidence is like proof, something that will uh, show the police that you committed the crime, right? So that's evidence. So when police are investigating a crime, they search for evidence. And this is like bits of information, Um, things like a gun with fingerprints on it, or maybe DNA. And it's all evidence, which... um, can be used to prove that someone committed the crime. So he's saying um, with chewing gum, it's difficult to get rid of the evidence. So what he's saying is that, um, for example, you can't swallow, you can't eat the gum because you you can't eat chewing gum. This is kind of a myth that um, when you swallow chewing gum into your stomach, that your stomach doesn't digest it, that actually the chewing gum just comes out Exactly the same in your poo, right? So, you know, it's difficult to get rid of the evidence. You can't hide the evidence by eating it because the chewing gum will just come out the other end. Exactly the same. And the police will then be able to forensic it. To forensic something means to do some like special scientific analysis on it in order to identify Things like DNA or fingerprints. If you watch the American drama CSI, then that's all that involves like forensic um, evidence, you know? Like looking at lots of uh, evidence in a scientific way to forensic something.
1: Chew it. You shouldn't swallow it either, because it just comes out at the other end exactly the same. Exactly. And the police can forensic it. Yeah. And he said, Where did you get this gum? I didn't buy you any chewing gum. You're not allowed gum. And I I said, it was in the... I I got it and It was on on the floor. It was broken. And he said, you've just stolen something. This is stealing, Adam. You stole this. You didn't pay for it. We could go to prison. If the police found out, you could go to prison. There are kids in prison for stealing gum. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There are kids in prison for stealing gum. Well, I think Joe is joking again. Um... I don't know, maybe there are kids in prison for stealing gum, but I I think that it's, you know, it's not a very serious crime, really. And I don't think that children go to prison um, for stealing gum. So, again, just a joke. It's just Joe being ridiculous. And then Joe kind of... Adam and Joe both get the idea of children going to prison for stealing gum and just start kind of developing the idea just because it's kind of funny. Right, so that's why they start talking about... Children's prisons being full of gum. Uh, let's have a listen to that, then I'll try and explain it.
1: And you know they come out I think and they're there's all... a Wrigley's prison. That's right. Yeah. And they're all messed up when they come out. And apparently, yeah, it's it's awful in the Wrigley's prison. There's gum everywhere. There is gum everywhere. Um,
0: okay, Wrigley's prisons, kind of a stupid joke. Um, there's no such thing as a Wrigley's prison. Um, Wrigley's, as we know, is the brand of chewing gum. Um, so. Yeah, what they're saying is that it's a Wrigley's prison. So it's, you know, what, just a prison for people who have been caught stealing gum? It's just ridiculous. He's saying, yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible in the Wrigley's prison. There's gum everywhere. Now, this is just a joke about prison that actually in this country in particular, the conditions in prison are very bad. And it's not that there's gum everywhere, but in, in prison, uh, actually, there are there's drugs. There's, you know... In adult prisons it's quite common that there's a lot of drugs in prisons these days it's terrible, so they're just making a joke about imagine if you know there was a child 's prison filled with kids who were caught stealing chewing gum, the conditions would be terrible. there would be gum everywhere, just in the same way that if you have a prison for adults which is filled with people who've been caught um, you know taking drugs, the conditions in that prison would be terrible. There would be drugs everywhere too. It's just a stupid joke.
1: Anyway, so I was very freaked out. And, and to make his point even more uh, forcefully, my dad burnt the gum.
0: <laughs> he said, anyway, I was very freaked out. I was very freaked out. So if you're freaked out, this is kind of an, ex- an informal expression, which just just means that you were kind of um, confused, basically. Uh, freaked out. Yeah, it just means confused essentially, yeah. So Adam, you know, was confused because his dad said that um, he would go to prison, right? And then his dad burned the gum.
1: Your dad always does weird things at the end. Why did he burn the gum? (laughs) Gum's not even flammable, is it? exactly.
0: It took ages. Gum's not even flammable, is it? Well, flammable um, means that it catches fire easily. You know, a bit like um, gasoline, Petrol, um, the, those things are flammable. It just means that they easily catch fire. Um, we also use the word inflammable. So, that in fact, these days both words are used. Inflammable or flammable. And it just means that they easily catch fire. So, you often get the word flammable or inflammable on a warning, on a warning message. For example, near, um, in a petrol station. You'll see that warning, you know, flammable. Uh, Be careful, right? So he says gum isn't even flammable. And I think it's true. It doesn't really burn. It just melts, you know.
1: All the gum kind of... (laughs) I sat there. (laughs) It's like a sort of a hellfire response, isn't it? It's like he's a Baptist minister.
0: Joe says it's like a hellfire response. It's like he's a Baptist minister. Well, a hellfire response is, you know, the kind of response that you would expect from um like a kind of um let's see a lot well a baptist minister you know like a, uh, a strict christian minister particularly in america for some reason you know that kind of um strict uh, american christian kind of reaction which would be you know see the flames burning just like your soul will burn in hell for the heinous crime which you have committed um, that sort of thing. So Joe is basically saying that that um, Adam's dad is a bit over the top because he's reacted like a Baptist minister—a hellfire response.
1: You shall not chew the gum. Watch it burn, my thieving friend, and then consider whether you'd like some more Wrigley's. Watch the gum melt. And the, the foil failed to burn, and then consider... If, and that's what it was like. The foil would, it just the foil just went all charcoal and the gum mm. just kind of melted and gummed up. It had up. a kind of barbecue flavour. It was even nicer. It smelled minty. Did it? It still <laughs> smelled minty. Minty flames. Yeah. And the, and the minty flames went on for ages. Mint-flavoured flames. Double any other length of gum, I would say, if it was burned. Anyway, so I'm curious to know if, if anybody else has... So this is kind of like the most pathetic thing you've ever stolen. Yeah, is it? Or is it like the thing you stole as a child that made you understand that stealing was wrong? Because I stole a Batcopter. Did you?
0: Okay, now Joe tells his little crime anecdote. And he says, I stole a Batcopter. Right? Now, a Batcopter is basically a helicopter uh, which Batman uses. So you've got Batman and also you can have Batcopter. So Joe stole a Batcopter. So let's listen to that anecdote. It's quite short. And then that's the end. At the end of that, that's the end of the podcast. Okay. Um, you know, I will do a couple of other podcasts about anecdotes. Um, so yeah, let's hear Joe's anecdote and then that's it. The end of the podcast. Quite a long one again. Okay. Right. So Joe's anecdote. Here it is.
1: So this is kind of like the most pathetic thing you've ever stolen. Yeah, is it, or is it like the thing you stole as a child that made you understand that stealing was wrong? Because I stole a Batcopter. Did you? Yeah, from uh, from uh, a little shop in a place called Bampton in Devon. Batcopter's bigger than Riggles, come it on. It wasn't that, well, yeah, it wasn't that big a Bat-copter. How old were you? About seven, eight. <gasps> and uh, I nicked it successfully, got out of the shop, went to play with it, but it wasn't enjoyable playing with it. No. It was miserable. It's a dirty cop. I felt I'd betrayed Batman as well. Yeah. You know? Because he stands for truth and justice and stuff. Exactly. And I was a thief, so I stamped on it. Did you cross yeah. the copter? I stamped on it because wow. it was so unenjoyable playing with it i destroyed it that's what th- that's what crime is like folks you know it's no fun it's- unless you're if you don't feel that guilt then you could, it might be a good idea to make a career of it yeah but, but if you do feel that guilt it's probably not for but you but if you don't feel that guilt you know that's that's you're going to end up in in prison picking up soap you know yeah
0: okay so that's it um briefly joe um was in a shop and he stole uh, a Batcopter. That's Batman's helicopter. And he took it outside and he played with it. And um, he he didn't enjoy the experience of playing with it. Because he felt so guilty. And he felt that he'd betrayed Batman. So he smashed the Batcopter. And that's it. So quite a short uh, little story there. Um, right. So that's the end of this podcast. Um, if you want to... You can read um, a transcript, a basic transcript of Adam's story. And also I'm going to print out some of the vocabulary, which I've explained as well. So you can read that there. Um, That's it from this podcast. Thanks a lot. Bye, 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 bye. Coming soon to BBC One, a new crime investigation drama starring Luke from Luke's English podcast. Luke is Jack Miller a financial auditor and detective in London's Square Mile. Using the latest forensic techniques, Miller solves the horrific murder of a rich businessman, but must face the terrible consequences. CSI London, Tuesday evenings at 9 o'clock on BBC One.